Adventure Pants is intended for a mature audience. Any views espoused in the following podcast are held solely by the speaker and shouldn't be taken seriously. After all, we're just having fun. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to Adventure Pants number 11. These go to 11. In part of my ever-expanding quest to make every single person I'm related to sit down on the show. With me this week is my older brother, Gary Wyatt. Hello. And I believe that the story we are going to hear this week uh, might be the most graphic we've heard yet, perhaps. So oh, I can guarantee it's going to be the most graphic. <laughs> so if you're... Uh, if you get squeamish, I won't. I won't be upset if you turn the show off. But I believe the story we have uh, involves some some medical malady. You could call it that. The uncomfortable type of, of medical malady. <laughs> so <laughs> with the most that, uncomfortable. With that, take it away. Hold All right. On to your um, butt. This would be the story of what some friends would call my butt finger. <laughs> uh, back in, I guess it was 2005. I had a hemorrhoid. And I've had them before. You know, they they'd gone away with your normal preparation H applying. Little witch hazel. Yeah, you know, things of that nature. But this one was not going away. It seemed to just be getting worse and worse. So I made the trek to the family doctor. Standard procedure: get on the table, drop your pants to your knees, yep, and face away from me with your butt out. <laughs> not a very a dignified position. Yes, yes. This is coming from a you know 75 year old doctor. Male doctor. So I abided, <laughs> hopped up on the table, dropped a trowel, and when he came back in, he proceeds to, you know, pull my butt cheeks apart <laughs> and have a gander at the old Abelin knot. To which he said, "My God, that's the largest hemorrhoid I've ever seen." <laughs> <laughs> Talk about striking fear. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm, I don't know how you even handle that. As a, as a patient, like that's the X worst thing I've ever uh, seen is the worst thing you can hear. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was, I guess I was 31. So, you know, the fact that I'm even 31 having to deal with this. Right. And it's not like I'm a truck driver or, <laughs> you know, spend copious amounts of time sitting on cool concrete. Right. Which are a couple of the causes of them. That's just, I, I just have bowels that function differently than everybody else. <laughs> so, you know, he takes a look and after hearing that that horrid statement, <laughs> he said, all right, I, I have a, a guy over at what hospital is it? The hospital. Or here nor there. Yeah. yeah. So he said, uh, you know, hop over there. He said, it'll be a quick procedure. He'll take it off right there in the, the office and, you know, it'll, it'll be no issue. And I said, all right. So you're getting a removal at that point. Uh, I, I, apparently what he's it was the you. only, th- it was yeah. the only option. <laughs> The nuclear option? Yeah, yeah. Because it was the largest hemorrhoid he's ever seen. <laughs> in his, you know, 40 plus years of being a doctor. <laughs> um, so, you know, I pop over there and, you know, I head in. And same thing as before, you know, hop up onto the table. Pull your pants down. That your very knees. dignified spot, yeah, yes. Yeah. Let me get a gander. <laughs> so He puts on a little mining helmet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a light on it. <laughs> you know, so I hop up, do the, do the whole thing again. And... He takes a look at it and goes, that's that's a large hemorrhoid. <laughs> Didn't say it was the largest he's ever seen, <laughs> thankfully, um, since this is his profession and yeah. he probably sees these on a daily basis. But um, So he says, uh, yeah, it's 
definitely needs to be removed. But <laughs> um, you know, we I can't do it in the office. It's too much of a procedure. So he says, I, I need to schedule you in. You know, can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, well, I guess. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking easy in and out of the hospital. Sure, sure. You know, pop in, get the local. I'm in, I'm out, no problem. Yeah. So mom goes with me. Mm. We hop in there. I get admitted just like I'm going to the hospital. Yeah. So right there, I was like, all right, this is a little bit more sure. involved than what initially thought. Um, not not the quick. Oh yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, Ten minutes. Yeah. It wasn't like he was tying a string around it. And yeah. For it to die. <laughs> Which is the old method of hemorrhoid <laughs> removal. Thank God modern medicine has come along since those days. Um, I'm just going to tie this into a knot yeah, exactly. and hope for the best. Yeah. When it gets all brown and dirty, you'll know it's, it's just going to fall off. Yeah. So It'll probably smell like death for a week or so, but then, then at that point, you're going to be good to go. Yeah, yeah. Don't mind the smell. So yeah, I get admitted and you know they pop me into a room, give me the gown try to find the uh, vein in my arm for the, the local. And at this point, I'm like, well, yeah, this is way more involved than sure. what was expected. So a uh, legit surgery prep yeah, at that point. Yeah, exactly. So, and of course, the nurse has trouble finding the vein. And, and you don't do well on. with needles for those who no, don't know. No, I don't. <laughs> However, that, you know, an IV needle is, you know, much less invasive yes. than um, any other type of needle, say a cortisone shot. But yeah, so, you know... We, she has trouble finding it. Another nurse has to come in and find it. She pops it right in, no problem. So then, yeah, they literally wheeled me down to an OR prep room. Okay. So this is, I mean, uh, and no point, one has I'm said like, to you at no, any point no. like this is what we're going to be doing today. It, I mean, as far as I knew, I'm there to get my hemorrhoid removed. Okay, but That's no one it. gave you any like. No. Okay, so they're no. just like, you'll be fine. Yeah, like this is regular procedure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you do this every week, yeah. don't you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I get wheeled down, and I'm sitting in this room in a bed waiting to go into the OR and I uh, eventually get rolled in and they hook the IV up and I'm in a proper operating room. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like what you see on TV, right? Lights over top. Yeah. They got my legs up in stirrups. My ass is hanging out. <laughs> a bunch the, of students peering for, around yeah, at upper exactly. level eating yeah. uh, junior mints. Yeah. Junior mints. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they pop the IV in and, uh, or the local mm -hmm. and, you know, count countdown from or count backwards from 100 yeah and, you know i think i get the 97 and i don't remember anything after that lo and behold i wake up who knows how much longer yeah. later in a recovery room with probably you know five six other people in there from other procedures mm -hmm. um i don't think they were working on us all at the same time but you know and they they say uh you know on a scale of one to ten like when i come to they say on a scale of one to ten how's the pain and i'm like well i just woke up first yeah. of all i'm still under and i'm like i don't know seven and I just hear him say, give him more morphine. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus. This is ridiculous. This is a hemorrhoid. It's not like I had a child. He lost a leg. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I everything goes fine. And, you know, I'm in that room probably for an hour. And, you know, mom comes back down and she's there. And they're asking me questions. And. They're like, all right, you can go, and you know, just here's your clothes. You know, go get changed. Yeah. Lo and behold, I had gauze panties on. <laughs> they applied to catch gauze everything. Panties. <laughs> like panties. Yeah. Like I'm wearing women's gauze panties. <laughs> um, well, you gotta and, catch all of the the stuff. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, I had about probably thirty feet of gauze shoved in my crack. <laughs> um, and they're like, you know. 
just just take care of it you know apply this and that and you know be careful and i'm like all right well this is fantastic yeah so i go home and you know everything's fine um eventually all the pain medication wore off about three o'clock in the morning and it was excruciating yeah i can I imagine mean, it if you can imagine you know having your anus <laughs> sliced open yeah um it was just painful mm -hmm. so you know i go about my business for you know the next couple of days and it really hurts and it's it's bleeding you yeah. know like i haven't gone to the bathroom yet because you know one i'm not eating anything and two i'm just you know terrified yeah <laughs> terrified of, like the thought in my head of okay something's gonna get ripped back open and right I'm like this is no nasty um or infected or any, yeah, number of, any things. of that yeah yeah so I guess after about a week, it's I'm still in a lot of pain. Uh -huh. Like I haven't gone back to work, and um, you know, I, I finally called the doctor's office and I said, "Look, you know, I don't know if this is normal." I said, "But one, I don't think I've had a movement since then, mm. um, and two, uh, you know, I'm bleeding a lot." And she's like, "Oh, um, you know, let me check with the doctor, and you mm. know, I'll give you a call back." And you know, she calls back in about an hour, and she said, um, "Well, it turns out that your surgery was much more invasive than we originally thought." And I was like, great. Did you want to fill me in on that maybe prior to leaving the hospital? Like, we I had mean, to pretty much take off a whole cheek, but you yeah, don't need to worry about yeah, that. Yeah. I'm assless on one side. <laughs> um, so you got to put a huge wallet in there to balance it yeah, when you sit. <laughs> I got the George wallet in there. Um, so it turns out that, you know, I you learned a lot about hemorrhoids at that point i guess there are three veins in your anus that um this can happen to um you know and it what happens is you know that the blood all flows to the outside and that's why it looks like a little butt finger coming out of your <laughs> anus it's like the vein is just engorged yeah. with blood and it's you know there's nothing it can do um so there's three of them and you know what they had to do was and this may be a little graphic but it is what it is um you know they they go in and they you know they slice open but it also goes inside of the anus which i did not know i see so they had to go inside as well as outside and remove the whole vein okay so it'll never happen again with that one but it there is a possibility of it in the other two. in the other two um thankfully i haven't had a reoccurrence of this since, since then um but yeah and all in all i mean it it, it was probably a solid month where it was just you know painful and yeah uh you know still difficult and just that image of you know something going wrong right right i'm trying to deuce it up and uh but yeah it was definitely it was it was one of the worst experiences of my life um makes for great stories yeah of course um, but uh yeah it just it it was it was a nightmare um you know i had shoulder surgery after that a few years later and it wasn't even nearly yeah, so I was going to ask how bad. the two compared since I know you uh, just – The shoulder surgery – well, <laughs> might as well make this a double dose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the shoulder surgery, I had a torn labrum. Uh, you know, I, the one one doctor that I saw was like, oh, we can rehab it. And I'm like, it's torn. What am I rehabbing? Yeah. Like, unless it's going to automatically meld back together during this rehabilitation. Right. Then, you know, so I got a second opinion, and he's like, yeah, we have to – and the we labrum is the that. one that's like a, the, the baseball pitching motion, right? The overhand yes. is, yeah, is where that's affected. And that was exactly how I found, I found out because, uh, you know, I couldn't – like every time I threw something overhand, like a football or yeah. a baseball, my the pain in my arm just shot down. Sure. And I couldn't do anything. So, you know, they schedule the surgery and everything. And, uh, you know, I go in and I'm laying in the bed. And, again, mom's there with me. And um, the anesthesiologist comes over and he's like, all right, so we're going to give you a block. And I'm like, a block? 
I'm like, what? What's a block? Like, like a know. paintball thing? Yeah. So he goes, well, basically, you know, there are points in the body that tend to numb other parts of your body. So, for example, uh, uh, if you're doing your wrist, I think it's in like your forearm area. Okay. Like they just give you a shot into your forearm area. Mine just so happened to be in the neck. So he said, what we're going to do is we're going to take this needle, we're going to stick it in your neck, and then we're going to twist it around a little bit until your arm starts twitching. And then we'll release the plunger and you're good to go. <laughs> and I'm like, so wait a minute. Nobody told me this. Like this wasn't on the agenda. Nobody prepped me for this. I thought I was getting a local. <laughs> you know, this 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 is unacceptable basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, back to my fear of needles. Yeah. Especially when they're stuck into my neck. Yeah. And, just, you know, and it's a big around. needle, isn't it? Uh, you know, they gave me what they called a little something to take the edge off. Mm. Um, so I, I remember it clearly. Um, and I still have awful memories of it, but yeah, I, I, I still knew what was going on. But the other thing is, is that since you're not completely under, you can actually be awake for the procedure. Right. You know, you don't know what's going on, but, uh, you know, you're awake and cognizant. To and a they point. say athletes do that a lot. Don't they, where they watch their own surgeries? Yeah. I mean, um, Fortunately, I was I was out. It was probably a almost a two-hour surgery, you know. But uh, luckily, I only woke up for about the last twenty minutes of it. And when they wheeled me out, I was literally ready to go. Like I was like, "All right, let's go." Yeah. You know, I'm I'm ready to go. And they're like, "No, you have to lay here for a little bit. We need to see how yeah. you react to everything." And I'm like, "All right." Um, you know, and that that recovery was long. Uh, you were in a sling and all yeah, that. Yeah, I was in a sling for five weeks, six weeks. Um, you know, couldn't couldn't do anything i'd have friends do my hair like yeah back in my spiky days hair uh hair days um but yeah i mean i it was tough i was you know one-armed for, yeah. for weeks yeah um but uh in comparison i because there's no sling for your ass that right you drag yeah, it around and, and so. i mean it's such a crucial part of your day yeah <laughs> <laughs> well for I me to, it's at least twice a day i have so. to imagine it's also walking and sitting comfortably every, oh, yeah, and absolutely. i mean I, like every single possible facet of the day that you're moving is going to be uncomfortable yeah it's it it was a very unpleasant experience um for weeks you know but to compare the two i, I would definitely have to say that the hemorrhoid was pretty pretty awful yeah just as a whole well, it sounds wildly unpleasant. So, yeah, but the block was nothing. Did they end up giving it to you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And mom actually had to leave. Watch I was like, where you going? <laughs> I'm gonna go get a coffee. Yeah, and so they say one of the benefits of it is that you know it it's blo- it blocks the pain even longer after the surgery. Sure. Which was complete and utter bullshit. Yes. Yeah. I an hour after I left, I was in excruciating pain. Okay. So. Yeah, that's the butt finger the story. The butt finger story. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. And uh, oh, and as a follow up to uh, the the shoulder, um, you know, I was I probably went through six to eight weeks, and you know, it was still hurting. Like, yeah. Almost like the to the fact where, um, you know, I I I didn't think it was fixed. Um, I don't know if you remember, we went to that Flyers game. Yeah. And you know, they scored a goal, and it was the first time I had put my hands up, and yeah. I did it in natural response to what happens yeah, when you're you, in a hockey game. Right. Yeah. And you jump up, and you know, you throw your arms in the air, and that hurt. And I think you looked at me and was like, your face is white. You, you, <laughs> yeah, all yeah, the color you, dropped yeah, from yeah. my face. You looked really, yeah, really. So I went back and they, they said, you know, all right, we'll give you a quarter zone shot and see if that does anything. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, that sounds awful. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a long time. Seriously. Yeah. Normally when you go and get a shot, they're like, oh, you'll, it, it's one second, boom, you're done. You know, you'll feel nothing. Yeah. 
this is eight seconds. Yeah. So he pulls a needle out that's like eight inches long, shoves it all the way into the center of my shoulder and releases the plunger. He was a dick. <laughs> well, thank you for, for sharing uh, the, the butt finger story, yeah. which I believe is the, the grossest thing we've had uh, thus far <laughs> on the show. I think you've got that title for the time being. So the second part of the show, the thing we do, is uh, a bunch of silly questions, mostly cold from the internet, some of my own uh, design. And we have a new thing this week, but we'll get to that in a minute. The first question is, uh, you're, in a, you're in a caged area, no, no way out, except in a body bag or as the victor. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? I'm going to go with the, the 100 duck-sized horses. Smaller. Yeah. It's, this is the I mean, I feel like a duck could fuck your day up. <laughs> like, yes. A seriously large duck the yeah. size of a horse? No way. Yeah. Not a chance. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think my odds are better with 100. Yeah. Smaller. Just stomping them around. Yes. Kicking. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing them at one another. <laughs> uh, what in your mind is the greatest fictional vehicle? Not limited to car, any type of transportation from any fiction, book, movie, television, what have you. Uh, Wonder Woman's plane. The invisible jet. The invisible jet. Okay. I don't know why, but <laughs> that seems like logical. It's a, it's a good, response. it's a good motor transport. Yeah, it's a good motor transport. I There's mean, lots of good answers for for fictional vehicles. Yeah. You found your own sovereign nation, Garytopia or what have you, and are invited to the next the land Olympics. of Wyatt. There you go, <laughs> the land of Wyatt, and you're invited to the next Olympics, and mm-hmm. you get to do that lap. You know, the lap of nations. Uh-huh. What currently, what real song? You know, not a song you're writing yourself is your national anthem. Fat bottom girls. all right lots of butt related songs make it into these national anthems it's very interesting if if, uh if you were to (laughs) if you were to take away all of the cool superpowers the flight laser vision invisibility things like that that come to mind immediately if you were to pick one that was a little more mundane makes your life a little better but doesn't make your you know complete it's not like you quit your job and now you fly around as a living right so more mundane superpower what would your superpower be uh, that's a tough question it i don't is. know that's a weird question <laughs> why would you want a mundane superpower because you can't get a good superpower it's like the greatest american hero like he <laughs> really could fly but he was really bad at it yeah See that's the problem. If if I ask the question, what was superpower you get? The same every week right. would be flight, right. invisibility, right. laser eyes, whatever. Yeah. So I want I want to know like a slightly mundane superpower. Some examples in the what past. If you could, what if you could walk at like fifteen miles an hour? It's just like, really just, quick walk. Yeah, that's just your standard pace of walking. Yeah. Fifteen miles an hour. You can't go slower. Yeah. Just constant yeah, zipping yeah, around. Yeah. I okay. Mean, that's, I, yeah. I mean, you get places faster and. Everyone would hate you yeah. as you tried to walk anywhere exactly. with them. Yeah. Where's go? Oh, he's yeah. already there. Keep up, dickheads. <laughs> Everyone's, all your friends are sprinting and yeah, weeping. Like, exactly. <laughs> we are. All of my friends are really thin. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to take your uh, your mundane superpower, your 15 mile an hour walk, and then decide to fight crime, what fictional sidekick would you take along with you? So any sidekick right. from from anything doesn't have to be a superhero sidekick. Any any Second in command on any show uh, or whatever. I'm going to go with the little Martian from the Flintstones. Okay. Gazoo? Gazoo. Yeah. Gazoo, yeah. Okay. I think he'd just be cool to hang around with. <laughs> just floating around by your head. Yeah. And he could probably keep up with you. Exactly. In the little yep. thing he's got. Yep. Well, he floats, so. Yeah. I mean, you know. Just hold on to him. him. <laughs> <laughs> you just grab his little ship and, yeah. and zip it along. Yeah. 
Uh, if you could stop one invention from being made, what invention would you would you just wipe out of existence? Uh, I hate a lot of things. <laughs> Any uh, Dave McGrogan <laughs> restaurant or <laughs> or entity? Okay, I have a sheer hatred of that man. I don't, it's just he's uh, a proprietor of several bars and restaurants in, in this area. Town, yes, yes. yes. For, for those not so in Westchester, anything Dave McGrogan has a hand in, I would I would like to just. Get rid of them. Okay. You're dropped into a glass thunderdome. It's 100 feet long, 50 feet wide. It has a thin layer of sand at the bottom, but not enough to, like, burrow into. You can either be dropped in with a 5-foot-tall, 150-pound naked man who wants to kill you, or a toddler with an AK-47 strapped to his hand. Naked man. Going with a fight. Yeah. <laughs> My odds are way better. <laughs> who knows what that baby's capable of. <laughs> You can see a high-powered <laughs> weapon in his hand. You have no you idea. You can where see you're it going. in his eyes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you could, all li- I picture is Stewie's brother, <laughs> Bertram, Bertram running around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If uh, if you could live in a television universe, you wouldn't be Fonzie, but you'd live in Happy Days, for uh-huh. example. Uh, what what TV universe would you like to live in? Oh man, I watch too much television. <laughs> well, it really comes down to how big of a life change you want. Yeah. I, well, because most television shows are set in this universe, right? So if you pick one of them, you're not making a big change. I mean, you could do like the Clark's cartoon. Right. How cool would that be? It would be pretty great. Um, Although you'd have a megalomaniac running most of your town. Yeah. Or uh, maybe Dukes of Hazard. Yeah? Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Like tooling around the General Lee everywhere, <laughs> hanging out with those idiot cops. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, really, who wears a white suit every day of their life? It, Boss hog. You got to have a lot of them if yeah, you're going to do that. Exactly. It requires a lot of white yeah. suits. I mean, that closet is just a cloud. <laughs> it's really bright in the morning. Yeah. He opens it up and he's, his retinas are burnt. That's why he's got the big sunglasses. Yeah. His retinas are ruined from picking his suits every morning. Uh, if We had a time travel question coming up, and people always say, you can't do these silly things if you have time travel available. So you get to send one of the Muppets back in time to kill Hitler. Which Muppet are you sending on that very important mission? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is the chef. But I don't know if that's my final answer. I think it would just like be crazy out there. Plus, he's got human hands. Yeah, yeah. But you'd almost like to see Kermit kind of like <laughs> Kermiting his way along. Hey, Hitler! Yeah, doing that sour face thing he does. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, the reviewers, uh, Statler and Waldorf. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna go with those guys. I think they just. I think they would be awesome. <laughs> just heckle them to death. Exactly. <laughs> Our Holocaust would have been way better. They would be really rude to him first. (laughs) And then, yeah, they would just kick him to death. Yeah. Or Walker him to cane him to death, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that would have to be my answer. So this is the new segment we have. uh, Former guest Nathan Aravis' idea, which I liked. Uh, This is a choose-your-own-adventure book. If Uh you're not familiar with them, in case anybody's never seen them, the stories are all different. You know, they, I believe right. the way they you get to pick different endings. Yeah, yeah, you make yeah. lots of decisions. Right. So you get to a certain point, and it says, "All right, now what do you want to do?" Right. So each week, a guest will get to make one decision in this book. The one we're going to start with is "The Abominable Snowman" by R. A. Montgomery. And I, I was looking at this classic. this morning. Oh, it is a classic. And the, the best part is the beginning of this book has a bunch of testimonials from children who read Here them. Is that book from this book? That was, particular book, not the. Right. This was published in Bantam Book, nineteen eighty-two. Yeah, it looks for about nineteen eighty-two. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's about thirty-one years old. You can't see it. it's got yellowed pages. Yes, 
some pieces of the cover Awful are missing. Font. This is this is a, a Nathan Aravis uh, from the personal collection, so he's he's loaned it to me. But some of those testimonials here are uh, makes you think thoroughly before making a decision. Hashin Stevenson, age eleven. I like choose your own adventure books because they're full of surprises. I can't wait to read more, says Carrie Romanos, age twelve. So this particular one, <laughs> they're pretty great and. Teachers like the series too. It says we have read and reread, wore thin, loved, loaned, bought for others, and donated to school libraries. The Choose Your Own Adventure books. Do you think Carrie looks back at that and was like, "I wish I could change my answer"? <laughs> well, let's see. She was twelve and eighty-two. She's forty-two years old, forty-three yeah. years old now. Yeah. I think she probably doesn't yeah. doesn't like the surprises anymore. No. So this is the book is called The Abominable Snowman. Uh, to to get to our first decision. The protagonist, you are a mountain climber, and you, you have uh, spent years at climbing school. You became close friends with a boy named Carlos, and you, you guys are a good climbing team together. I call him Los. Yeah. So this expo- you go to this uh, international team to, to climb two peaks in South America, and this guy, Franz, tells you about climbing the Himalayas, uh, and he says that the Yeti lives there. A huge beast between a gorilla and a man. Some say he's dangerous, some say he's gentle, but he's never been photographed, so the stories persist. So you and Carlos, Los, you decide, all right, we're going to go find the Yeti. So that's what brings you to Kathmandu, the capital of Nepal. Your problems, though, have already begun. Two days ago, Carlos left by helicopter to look over the terrain near Everest. The helicopter returned without him. The pilot told you that Los decided to stay up at the Everest base camp for the night to check out a report the Yeti had been seen. He had a radio transmitter, but you have received no word from him. The weather has turned bad, and radio communication was interrupted. You have written for an appointment to speak with R.N. Runal, the director of expeditions and mountain research and an authority on the Yeti. Which is interesting, because uh, yeah, I, <laughs> there's the authority on the Yeti. On the Yeti that no one has ever seen. Yeah. You have told him of your plans. You need permits for the expedition and advice and information with Runal. But what about Carlos? Los. Los. Oh, the other one that was great was the two of you raised money from the International Foundation for Research into Strange Phenomena. That's who's funding your trip. It's the <laughs> of course they are. IFFRISP. Yeah. The IFRISP. So are you going to cancel your meeting with Runal and search for Carlos or be like, he's fine. I'm going to meet with Runal. I'm meeting with Runal. Okay. Lowe's can handle it. <laughs> you walk down a street. I'm going to skip all this exposition. You're looking at fruit. Oh, it's a bat. It wasn't a fruit. You got startled. Then you meet Ah. with Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Runal takes you in his office. He says, welcome to our country. Wish you success, but I have bad news. Yeah. Sounds like Roy. Yeah. We wish you success, but I have bad news. The expedition you propose could be very dangerous. You look at him not knowing what what to expect. But nobody's ever seen this thing. Right. he says uh, an expedition recently left with guns and traps and tried to kill an ang- a Yeti, which made the Yeti angry. You won't like him when he's angry. Exactly. So you say that we just want to find him and not hurt him. And he says, we've checked up on you. We researched you. Yeah. We found all those pictures of your... We heard about your butt finger. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we know about it. He, uh, he suggests that perhaps you could study tigers instead. Oh, my. So next week... You'll get to hear more of this exciting adventure. I can't wait. The final question, then, in our silly I'd like question. to go back to the uh, the vehicle. <laughs> I, I don't want to change my answer, but I do want to bring up the ambiguously gay duo's <laughs> penis car. <laughs> <laughs>
you want to ride around with Steve Carell? And uh, no, I don't want to ride around. I just thought it was. It should be brought up. It is. It is a great vehicle. <laughs> uh, the last and the one guy's name is Gary. It is. the The last question is, uh, and you've heard me ask this question before. Doc Brown pulls up in the DeLorean, he throws it open, he gives you the golden ticket, and he says, "I can take you to any concert, any time, any place, any when." Wow. Who do you want to go see? You've had the, we've had this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be the probably the Beatles. I don't know if it's it might be the rooftop concert, which the would be their last time they actually one ever. played anything together. Mm. Or it could be Shea Stadium too. Like that was a great show. Or um, the TV show. The uh, even though it's only two songs. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it was still like it was such a huge yeah. point in music. Oh, absolutely. But it would. I think I'd probably have to go with the rooftop. Cool. Yeah. yeah excellent. So that brings us to our final thing. And sticking with a musical bent, we were going to talk about uh, first concert since last night was just about two weeks shy of uh, 11 years to the day of the first show I went to, which was also with you. But we'll get to that first. I, and I didn't realize yours was as embarrassing as it is, but I think that just adds a whole uh, different dynamic. So why don't you tell yeah. uh, the fine folks out there what your, your first show was? Um so I didn't have the pleasure of, I mean, my parent or our parents are, have always been musical people. Um, mm. you know, there's always been some type of music going on. Um, you know, I remember growing up, mom had a picture, like an eight by 10 glossy black and white of James Taylor, <laughs> you know, old school looking mm-hmm. James Taylor, long hair, mustache, yeah. you know, hanging by the, the stereo, the, the record player. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was always a very musical family, but they never went to concerts. Um, so, you know, a lot of my friends always say, yeah, my first concert was the Beach Boys with my mom and dad or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, that wasn't the case for me. Um, my musical tastes have always been varied, uh, still are. Uh, I listened to a little bit of everything. But my first concert was in, I think it was seventh grade, and it was New Kids on the Block. Or I'm sorry, it was Tiffany and uh, New Kids on the Block opened, and it was at the Man Music Center. My second concert was New Kids on the Block, Tiffany opening. <laughs> a little flip-flop, yeah, which is rare. Which was like a year, maybe two years later. Tiffany had fallen uh, just down a exactly. bit. Exactly, and obviously NKOTB had taken over the teen sensation stage at that point. Blown up, of yeah. course. Did you go with friends? Yeah, or what uh, was yeah I did. Now? Actually, the first one I went to with my girlfriend at the time, okay. Kristen, um, and then uh, the other one was with friends. Okay. And the other one was um, actually at the Old Valley Forge Music Fair, which is obviously no longer there. But yeah. Had a revolving stage. Okay. Everything was kind of um, the stage was in the middle, and then it was just a r- seats are all around it. Okay. The stage kind of turned around. as it went around. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, though that that's my first concert. <laughs> uh, Not embarrassing, but I mean, yeah. Know. the The reason why I suggested this is a possible topic is because I you took me to mine, and it was sort of like at the time I listened to a lot of heavy metal ish. ACDC and Metallica and things like that. And then this was sort of the turning point to hippie jam rock. Um, so 2002, you took me to see Dave Matthews. And uh, just the reason I thought it was uh, interesting since last night we were there back uh, to see that again. Yeah, so last two nights. Right, right. So I was here this weekend to, to go see Dave again. So I thought it was a nice uh, symmetry of, of 11 years later. But Which was my 79th and 80th right. Dave show, not concert. And for me... For me, it's 43 and 44. Right. So 11 years and, and 44 shows later, yeah. it's interesting to, to look back at the first one. But what what was the, uh, the the best part for you about that whole, you know, going to your first show? Like, what, what do you remember most about Well, I went by myself. Going? Yeah. Well, it was just Kristen and I. Yeah. Like, mom and dad weren't there. Right. Um, they dropped us off. Um, and I know they had dinner somewhere. 
which is weird because the man, as you know, is in a pretty shitty yes. part of the city, uh, West Philadelphia. You know, and I, I forget where they had dinner, but I remember Dad going into the bathroom, and I guess he was at the urinal, mm. and there was a newscaster standing next to him, and I, I can't remember who exactly it is off the top of Larry my head. Larry Menti or somebody. It, yeah, I, it might have been Jerry Panicoli or yeah. I mean somebody, um, but it was definitely a, you know a local news person that he yeah bellied up to the urinal. <laughs> he's taking a squirt next to him. So. Um, but yeah, I mean the best part of it, I guess, was that you know, it's like oh, I'm in seventh grade and I'm going to the concert with my girlfriend. You know, yeah. no parents. Yeah, they dropped us off, picked us up. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, I, I you know at the time I was definitely a fan of Tiffany. I'd never heard of New Kids on the Block. Okay, they, they hadn't even like they were unknown. They, yeah. Um, Did you go? I guess so. you probably went for both of them then. No, at the time I mean, I'm, I just I'm went sure you Tiffany. went in to see both of them though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they dropped us off, and you know, yeah. at that point, I didn't know anything about tailgating. Right, or, right. I mean, you know what that scene was all about. Sure. It wasn't until later that you know you discovered that and <laughs> debauchery ensued. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's part of the experience. Sure. Now, absolutely. You know, and well, well, when you took me, we grabbed you know sandwiches sat, and yeah. sat there for a while. And I remember right. you uh, you cut yourself opening a beer and yeah. bled for like three hours because yeah. it just wouldn't stop. But I, the reason I asked is because I remember you and I. Uh, the opener was Nora Jones, and mm. we were like, I've never heard. You were like, I looked her up, I, yeah. uh, whatever. And then you know, like a month later, she won six hundred Grammys. Yeah, and, and it had to get her like a wheelbarrow to move them off exactly. the stage it was like oh we could have seen her for free yeah. interesting and it's funny because i ended up buying nora jones tickets later on i don't know if it was that year or the year after um and i ended up getting front row literally front row seats yeah just off of Ticketmaster when they went on sale right um and i think i gave them to mom either for or to dad you did, either yes. for his birthday or to them for their anniversary yeah and they ended up going and I guess the way the stage is set up for her is that her piano is on one side and I think it's on the left side and those tickets just happen to be right in front of yeah. her. Well, it pissed down rain that night. Right. I mean, I don't think there was anybody on the, the lawn that night no. because it was just it was torrential downpours. Yeah. But you know, obviously they were under the the roof, so yeah, first row and they got to see it. So that actually is the only time I've ever heard Dad defend Dave Matthews because. Uh, he was talking about how boring Nora Jones was in concert when they got back, and he was like, "She's like she sits at the piano, and it's like this is a song that he wrote, <laughs> bling 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 bling, and plays." And he was like, "I don't even like Dave Matthews, but that dude sweats when he's on stage, and he's dancing, and he's pointing, and singing, telling stories, and blah blah." blah. And it was, I, it cracked me up because he I, he did not like that music at all, yeah. like that. He tolerated the ACDC and whatnot way better than the uh, the Dave Matthews. Yeah. It's just not his cup of tea. Well, I mean, Dad's taste of music definitely varies. Yes. And you're shocked half the time. Yes. Where he's, he's like, yeah, I like them. Yeah. Well, I stole the first Weezer CD from him. Yeah. So. Yeah. But the the thing the other than cutting yourself and Nora Jones, the uh, the there was a, a moment that I remember because I'd only listened to a few of their songs. I think you had given me something, and I kind of listened to a few things. And was like, eh. Uh, it was actually the second time you tried to take me to a show because you bought Weird Al tickets for us at the Kahunaville. Oh, yeah. And for some right. reason, we ended up not being able to go. Yeah. But, um, so the, the actual attempt that you got me there. But I remember um, Rhyme and Reason, which is one of their harder songs, was like halfway through the show. And at that point, it was like, because they had done some stuff. Not that it was bad, but it just wasn't really in my wheelhouse. And that was the point where it was like, oh, that sounds like all this other stuff I listened to was yeah. more heavy, tempoed, and uh, angrier. Yeah, yeah. well. But angrier, abuse, so yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but you know not that all metal songs are about heroin right. but it just was more in the wheelhouse and that was kind of the point that i kind of switched over and was like oh this is more interesting and that was sort of the, the tipping point of the show for me right toward uh toward the end and then yeah. uh in the encore he did uh long black veil and at that point i didn't know anything about johnny cash but in looking right. it up discovered johnny cash and i talk about that as sort of the the rosetta stone for me of the first thing that kind of knocked down to a bunch of different directions right. where i went from liking only one thing to that show making me listen to more Dave Matthews, which turned into more, you know, oh, they covered this. I wonder what more of that is like. Right. And that was the back in the area of Kazaa and Napster. Yeah. You could just be like, well, who's this Johnny Cash fellow? Yeah. Oh, I'll just take all 600 of these songs exactly. and find out which ones I like. And so. this uh, virus. Yeah. Let's go with it. Thank you. All these viruses. Yeah. Why does this MP3 have an EXE yeah. extension? <laughs> and the computer just melts and starts yeah. smoking. So but yeah, I mean, it was always, you know, growing up, it was always music, music, music. So, um, you know, and it just continued for all of us. Sure. Um, in various, uh, various it, yeah, but I mean, you know, our tastes are always pretty yeah. broad. Right. Yeah. But so, that, that, that show was sort of my opening up right. to more than just, uh, to one, to one level. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, I, I listened to them. No, I don't know. The they're time, a good band. Know? It yeah. just, I, I was pretty, in, it was like ACDC Metallica and. I don't even know who else might yeah. have been in the rotation then, but that was pretty much yeah. much it. So my horizons broadened a lot. Uh, yeah. Day. I mean, for me, you know, growing up with the music, it was cable was a lot different then. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, you know, 800 channels, a thousand channels. Right. You know, you had 36, maybe 54 channels. Total. Yeah. So music was a lot more prominent in the house. Yeah. So, it, you know, Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, it was music you were listening to. When right. You woke up. It wasn't TV. I think, you know, your friends, what they listened to, for you at least, you yeah. know, was probably more of what you were listening to because you were all listening to that. No, actually, no, I used to get harassed pretty regularly about listening to ACDC because yeah. uh, everybody else was They were was an older band to, at that time. They were way yeah. older. I mean, even 10 years ago, they were an older band. Yeah. But I, I, whatever it was that got me into that, I got way into it. And, uh, but no, my friends were mostly listening to Top 40 and rap, so yeah. I was like the old guy. And then later people were like oh like my friends got, <laughs> my friends had gotten guitar it was like you know five or six years after you know our taste had shifted and they're like yeah so we used to give you all that shit about those lazy deasy <laughs> i'm like yeah i remember I'm like they're really good i'm yeah. like yeah i remember that's why i liked them but yeah you you, you were all like oh man <laughs> Uh, but yeah, since it was uh, close to anniversary, well, I guess 11 is not really a normally celebrated anniversary, but that was uh, just happened to be while we were in town, so I thought yeah. that'd be a good uh, good spot to go to. So, yeah. thanks very much for doing the show. No problem. I appreciate thanks it. for having me. And uh, remember, folks, uh, check us uh, on iTunes and Stitcher, and make sure you rate the show, review the show. It helps uh, spread it out there for other people to see. Five every- butt fingers out of five. <laughs> five butt fingers out of five. Uh, and remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, when you adventure, don't forget your adventure pants. <laughs>